Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Today we're going to be talking about the environmental benefits from working remotely. And we have Bree Reynolds, who is a senior career specialist with Flex Jobs. And and Flex Jobs and Global Workplace Analytics uh, just released a report, the state of telecommuting. And there are some real environmental upsides to allowing our workforce, as we can, to work remotely. And I'm really excited to talk with Bree about what this report entails and some of the things that her company does to help people find jobs uh, working remotely. So welcome to Go Green Radio, Bree. So glad to have you on the show. Thanks very much, Jill. I'm glad to be here. Well, help us understand the current state of remote work in the U.S. How many workers sure. are we talking about? And, and what are some of the type of jobs and industries that support this option for workers? Sure. So over the last 10 years or so, we've seen a lot of increase in the number of people working from home. And I imagine anyone listening here today may either know someone who works remotely or they've done it themselves, even just a little bit. Um, Right now, about 43% of all workers in the U.S. work from home at least occasionally. Um, So that's a pretty big number. You know, for the total workforce, almost half of people do do remote work at least a little bit of the time. Um, And that's up from only 9% back in 2007. So it's a big jump up to 43%. Um, And then if we look at the number of people who work remotely all of the time, who never set foot in the office, that's about 3% of the total U.S. workforce. So it's it's still a small number, um, but that has doubled since uh, 2005. So that's on the increase as well. That is um, tremendous. That's a tremendous growth in the in the number of folks that are able to do this. And what are some of those jobs? What are some of the industries that are involved in this this movement? The industries that we really see a lot of remote work in have to do with um, areas that are sometimes surprising and also sometimes sort of expected when you're thinking about what you could do to work remotely. So we see a lot of jobs in medical and health, which is usually surprising. You don't think of nurses or doctors or, uh, you know, physicians, assistants being able to work from home, but there are actually remote opportunities in those areas, and that's the biggest field for remote jobs. Um, We also see a lot of opportunity in areas like computer and IT. Uh, Education and training is a big one. So if you've ever taken an online course or uh, even gotten a degree online, you know that a lot of your instructors and tutors and things like that are working remotely. Um, And then, of course, areas like sales and customer service um, and even accounting and finance and travel and hospitality are big areas for remote work. That's remarkable. And you're right. That is surprising. I mean, some of those I would have guessed, but, um, you know, we think of some of those jobs as traditionally face-to-face, um, but but this is a pretty remarkable jump. Now, generally speaking, um, you know, you mentioned that most of the remote work opportunities are not full-time, but, um, you know, some of them are, are part-time. Give us a percentage of, of days worked remotely and the rest in office for those that are, you know, really embracing the remote work opportunities. Sure. So, yeah, there is definitely, uh, we see a difference. There's a lot of hybrid work arrangements, as we call them, so people who work both remotely and in the office. And we tend to see about one to two days a week as the average if you're doing that sort of arrangement. So you would work from home one to two days a week, and then you would work in the office the other days. Um, But that really varies quite widely depending on the type of job that you're doing. Um, the type of industry that you're in, all of those sorts of things. Uh, But that is really the most common situation is that people will do some of their work remotely and some of their work in the office. Interesting. Now, because this is Go Green Radio, of course, we need to talk about the (laughs) environmental benefits. So help us understand the scope of environmental benefits that are possible simply by eliminating a vehicular commute through remote work opportunities. Sure. Well, sure. Uh, First, I'll give you sort of the small scope aspect of it. So if you think about an individual person commuting to work every day, uh, if you are able to not commute to work one day a week, you're reducing your uh, vehicular miles traveled, the gas that you consume, the wear and tear on the roads, the exhaust and emission, uh, you know, CO2 emissions and all that by 20% just for that one day a week, you know, if you're working five days a week. Um, So when you really expand that to the entire workforce in the U.S., for the number of people who are 
um, currently working remotely um, full-time, that goes up to 7.8 billion miles not traveled, which is a huge number. I can't really even quite wrap my head around that. Mm -hmm. And then um, the number of trips avoided, just actual trips to and from the office, is about 529 million trips each year. This is an annual number. And so it's a big deal um, to be able to take those cars off the road, even if it is one of those situations where you work from the office sometimes and home from other times. It can make a really big difference both from an individual level and, you know, when you blow it up to the entire uh, workforce, it can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that more and more companies are beginning to track these types of metrics. Um, and so the information that you're providing um, and the information that FlexJobs is tracking goes directly to what a lot of companies are starting to report through the Global Reporting Initiative, their GRI, um, you know, metrics. And so, you know, this is becoming a big deal. And I have to think that that's probably why many uh, companies that we wouldn't traditionally think of as uh, embracing remote work opportunities might be opening their minds a bit to that because this is actually something that's being tracked um, through a variety of sustainability metrics that some of the Fortune 500 companies are, are engaging in. I mean, are you seeing, um, you know, that, that type of a phenomenon with what you're looking at? Yeah, we definitely are. We're seeing more companies, especially like you said, more traditional, large, well-known companies, Fortune 500 companies and those sorts of really big, large companies, um, embracing remote work and tying it to their overall sustainability initiatives. So Dell is a really great example of that. They have uh, a goal of getting 50% of their workforce to work entirely remotely by 2020. So it's only a couple years away, and I think they're at about 40% now, so they're getting pretty close. And, um, and they have a lot of information that ties that back to a sustainability and environmental uh, mission that they have to reduce their consumption, reduce their uh, wear and tear on the environment, and really try mm-hmm. to make a big impact. And so when large companies do that, it's the same sort of impact that you see when you look at the whole workforce. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see a lot of small companies doing this as well, but really when you get to those workforces that have tens of thousands of employees and you're allowing half of them or even, you know, 10% or 20% to work remotely, uh, that makes a big difference for those people to be off the roads. And also from the company's perspective, it saves them money. Um, They don't have to maintain as much office space or build new office space or expand in that way. They can really use remote work to, to support a variety of their goals, not just the sustainability areas, but even just their operational and strategic goals. Mm-hmm. And in, you know, we talked about some of the CO two emissions and and other um, environmental impacts that are associated with vehicular commuting. But there are other environmental impacts associated with, you know, increased office space or conversely decreased office space. What are some of those environmental benefits that companies can uh, realize if they don't have to house one hundred percent of their employees on site? Yeah, so when you're looking at the office space, it's not just the space in general and, main, and maintaining that space. It has to do with the, the HVAC that they're using to heat or cool that space. And I know, you know, having worked in an office for a while before I started working remotely and having talked to lots of people who work in offices, there's, there's never that right temperature. So it's always either too hot or too cold. And clearly that's a, a waste of energy. You know, there's things you can do, of course, to retrofit buildings and, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and, you know, make it as environmentally friendly as possible, but the fact remains that you still have to heat or cool this large, expansive space. And so when you're able to allow people to work from home and also give them the guidelines that when they're working remotely, they should be mindful of their thermostat and try not to use extra energy by working at home and, and really pay attention to that because you don't want you don't want to just push the um, environmental effects off to the remote workers. You know, you want to make sure you're eliminating these things or reducing them as much as possible. Um, but so things like that. And then office equipment. I mean, companies spend so much on, on paper storage, on paper usage, on printers and ink and at the energy that goes to running all of that stuff. And you might see buildings lit up 24-7, so they're actually using it constantly. Um, And when you have remote workers, you can also be more mindful of that. Um, I know most remote workers work in paperless environments, so they're really trying hard to not even have to use paper. They're using more online storage. 
which cuts down on the equipment that they're using, the new technology that they have to keep buying to do printing and faxing and all of that sort of stuff and scanning. Um, and it really just, in all these little ways, it really adds up to a big impact. It really does. And I know, you know, just recently I was looking at some of the GRI or Global Reporting um, Initiative reports from a company that's headquartered in my town, Pleasanton, California, which is Workday, huge company. Mm-hmm. And these are exactly some of the things that they're detailing in their in their GRI reporting, but also in their corporate uh, social responsibility, CSR reports. And so, um, you know, th- this is just fantastic information. We've got so much more to cover with Bree, but we're going to take a quick commercial break but don't go away folks there's more go green radio right after this your voice counts call toll free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 voiceamerica.com take a wild guess how much garbage generated in the united states today is converted into energy is it 26 percent 43 percent or 14 percent Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad that you could join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Bree Reynolds. She is a senior career specialist for a company called Flex Jobs. And they've just released a report recently that talks about the state of telecommuting in the U.S. And part of that is the environmental benefits that can be achieved by individuals and by companies when they allow remote working opportunities. And so, Bree, I would love to give you a chance to talk to us a little bit about the company that you work for, Flex Jobs. Talk to us about what the company's mission is and the kind of services that you provide. Well, thank you for giving me that chance. Uh, FlexJobs is a job search website. That's sort of the easiest way to describe it. But what we do is focus on flexible jobs. So they're any type of job that would allow you more flexibility than a traditional 9-to-5 in-office job. So um, some examples of that flexibility would be remote work, which we were talking about a lot today, Um, you know, really being able to work from home at least part of the time, but if not, then all of the time. Um, And then also flexible scheduling, so being able to actually shift your hours or uh, set your own hours. That's uh, highly desired. And part-time schedules also. We look at professional part-time jobs and post those. And then freelance jobs because as a freelancer, you often have a lot more control over all of those things, when and where and how you're working. And so we post those jobs as well. And so essentially we're just looking for uh, ways for people to find a better way to work so that they can actually balance or juggle or however you'd like to describe it, their work lives and their personal lives Uh, through flexibility. 
I love that. And I really feel like you guys are right on the leading edge of what will become, you know, a 21st century uh, staple. I I don't think this is going to be a a trend that wanes. I think it will only increase um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, there are people who want to live in a specific place but can't necessarily find a job there but have perfectly, you know, usable skills to somebody in a remote location. I just think it's the answer to so many of our work-life balance issues. And so it's great to know there's a company like FlexJobs out there that can help people realize, you know, that potential. So let's talk a little bit more about this recent report that you published called FlexJobs and Global Workplace Analytics, State of Telecommuting Report. Um, There were some public policy recommendations that could help more people have the opportunity to work remotely. And I'd like for you to help us understand what was called the telecommuting tax penalty. Um, Tell us what that is and what could be done to eliminate that. So, yes, it's a very interesting thing. The telecommuting tax penalty is what the name that's been given to this phenomenon that happens in certain states. So when you're in the U.S. and you're working remotely, there is a chance that you might be living in one state and working in one state, and your employer may be living in another state or living, uh, working, (laughs) headquartered in another state. And so uh, because you're a remote worker, you're in one state and they're in the other state, and there may be a tax penalty for you if um, the employer is using what's called, or if the state, I'm sorry, is using what's called a convenience rule, um, which essentially dictates where employment tax are due and where you would have to pay into, uh, your own income taxes. Um, and so it's not every state, and so I would recommend before people, if you're a remote worker now, definitely look into whether it is your state or not um, before you get nervous. Um, but essentially it's, a, it's the potential to be doubly taxed, um, to be taxed on your income both in the state that you reside and the state in which your employer is headquartered. And so this also happens to commuters who commute from, who live in one state and commute to another state and sometimes work remotely from their homes. It can be a very complicated issue. Um, and so, yeah, it's something that we've been trying to bring more attention to. And, of course, I'm not a tax expert, so I, I don't have uh, all the details. But essentially there is a, a bill um, in Congress, and it's been there for a few years, and it's not really going anywhere, so we're really encouraging people to reach out to their congressperson and ask them to support this bill. It's called the multi-state worker tax, excuse me, multi-state worker tax fairness act. Uh, I wish they had an easier way <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to name that to remember it, but uh, but essentially it would eliminate that telecommuting tax penalty and allow people to work remotely from any state and have an employer who's headquartered in another state and not be doubly taxed for that um, convenience. That makes perfect sense, and I mean you can understand why states might want to do that. I mean, um, naturally, if workers are living and working in the same state, then all of their, you know, their income taxes would be paid to that state, but also, you know, their sales tax and, and that sort of thing. So, I mean, there is a fiscal rationale to that. But like so many things, you know, it's just not in keeping with the way we do things in the 21st century. And so um, that's really great information that you guys have provided um, for us to to all get engaged. Now, the report uh, that you just put out lists four examples of government agencies at various levels that have enacted incentives to encourage remote work. And I'd like to have you tell us more about these four examples. The first one was at the federal level, and that was the 2010 Telework Enhancement Act. What is that and, and how does that benefit remote workers? Yeah, so this is, a, this is a really interesting initiative that the federal government has been working on over the last eight years or so, and it actually uh, is the total opposite of what we were just talking about, where, you know, the law hasn't really kept pace with the state of remote work and the fact that more people are working remotely, and so we have this telecommuting tax penalty. Well, on the flip side, the government actually, in some ways, is leading the way when it comes to allowing remote work, so it's kind of a, an interesting situation, mm-hmm. but essentially, the largest federal agencies... Um, So you think of agencies like the U.S. Department of Agriculture, those kind of big federal agencies that are out there. 
they have um, they they are required now by this law that was passed in 2010 to allow their workforces to telecommute to the furthest extent possible, um, and so that's sort of the quotes around furthest extent possible. Essentially, it means when the people who run these agencies are looking at their workforces, they should look for ways for federal workers to be able to work remotely, um, and so some of their goals with this would be the same as any employer to reduce the amount of office space that they have uh, to maintain and to pay for, um, to reduce their environmental footprint. And also one of the biggest ones is to um, be uh, able to operate continuously during emergency situations. So a lot of times the traffic in Washington, D.C. is not particularly great and it's hard to get around and you have people who are stuck. Um, I know what the Pope, I think, visited a few years ago and really sort of jammed things up everywhere. And, um, and so that's one thing is just eliminating that, that issue of workers getting to work late or not being able to get there at all because of the traffic. But then also weather. You know, every now and then um, Washington, D.C. will be hit with a huge snowstorm or some other type of weather that just makes it really impossible to get around. And the ability to work remotely helps these agencies stay open for business. They're able to at least, you know, at a moderate level, continue their business and not get stuck with this huge backlog. Um, And so in emergency situations, that can really help. So it's really interesting just to see that they're sort of leading the way with this and that um, they've released some reports, um, some of the agencies who are involved in this since then, and they've shown hundreds of millions of dollars in savings related to reducing their real estate footprints, um, closing buildings or stopping the use of buildings that they no longer needed, um, and also the environmental impacts taking people off of the roads. So it's a really good initiative, and it seems like it's, it's doing what it's set out to do. Wow, that that is really amazing. And and so the federal government is doing that for its own workforce. And if we could just extend that, you yeah. know, <laughs> through the, through yep, the, through a good the bill that you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, you the report also mentioned the Maine Center for Business and Economic Research has partnered with University of Southern Maine to study Maine's growing telecommuting workforce um, as a way to encourage economic growth and employment in the state. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so this is an interesting partnership, and we've seen this happen in a number of states where um, organizations, nonprofits, um, uh, universities, places like that, and then also these sort of travel and hospitality and um, more broad organizations that are looking to, to bring people to a state and also keep people in a state are partnering to, to find out ways um, to encourage Maine residents to stay so that they don't have this, uh, you know, when when kids grow up and they graduate from high school and they go off to college, they want them to either, you know, stay in Maine um, and grow the economy there or come back from college and know that there are jobs available. And so because some of these areas have reduced um, employment opportunities, their economies aren't moving along quite as much, you know, they might have a lot of rural areas that are not attractive because of the lack of jobs. Remote work allows them to invite people back to the area and say, hey, we have these viable jobs for you. They're professional level. They will pay you well, and they allow you to stay in these communities or come back to these communities to keep them vital or revitalize them. And so it's it's really nice to see uh, different states like Maine turning to remote work and telecommuting as one of those options for inviting people to come back or, or to the first time, you know, come on, live in Maine. The cost of living is lower. It's a wonderful place to get outdoors in the summertime and uh, it's close to skiing in the wintertime. Oh, and we have all of these remote jobs that you can do. Yeah. Um, so it's a way to kind of expand their economies without necessarily doing the hard, difficult, and sometimes very expensive, costly work of attracting large employers to the area and counting on that. It's uh, a much simpler and maybe more effective way to, uh, to get some work and also get those residents coming back. That's brilliant. And is that similar to what you're seeing with Teleworks USA that's based in Kentucky and Montana's Come Home and Bring Your Job With You campaign? Yep, exactly. So both of those, um, it's a little bit different. So in Kentucky, in Eastern Kentucky, there's an organization called Teleworks USA, like you said, and that was um, launched to... Uh, it, 
basically train and inform residents of Kentucky about remote work. And so as, you know, the economy shifts there, they're heavily in coal country and that economy is, is changing a lot. As that economy is shifting drastically, they want to help prepare their workers for this really new and interesting way of working and be able to work remotely so that they don't have to leave the state or uproot their families and move somewhere else to find opportunity. Um, and so they're turning to remote work as a way to help transition their, their residents into a newer economy. Um, and then Montana is very similar to Maine. So it's the come home and bring your job with you campaign where they're really <laughs> encouraging you know, people who are from Montana who grew up there and who have since moved away because there are, there's you know, more economic opportunity and activity in other places to come home and they're, they're showing people how to ask their companies to let them work remotely. Um, so it might be somebody who moved to New York or California to go to college, and you know they're able through this Montana initiative to get instruction on how to ask their their boss to essentially work from Montana, or how to find a remote job if they want to move back to Montana, but their current employer is not okay with that. Um, so it's really interesting just to see how creative these states are getting to to help bring people back to the states and revitalize different communities. I love that because, you know, we've talked a lot on Go Green Radio about this, you know, global movement to urban areas and mostly because that's, you know, where the job centers are and it's killing rural areas, not just in America, but in other countries as well. And so um, this is just, this is a brilliant solution. Um, One of many, of course, it takes many different solutions, you know, to, to revitalize some of these areas, but I love the role that Flex Jobs is playing in helping to make sure people are aware of this, helping to increase opportunity. Fantastic job. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to discuss. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you're all with us today. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Bree Reynolds. She's a senior career specialist with Flex Jobs. Today we're talking about um, remote work 
and the environmental benefits that both individuals and companies can realize by allowing their workers to have remote work opportunities. Uh, cuts down on vehicular traffic. Um, companies can reduce their energy consumption, water consumption. Uh, if they are not housing 100% of their workforce on site, there's just so many environmental benefits to this. And Flex Jobs is a company that helps people find remote working opportunities. They also have a lot of great data and analytics and information um, to help the the movement in general. And we've been talking about a report that they just put out on the state of remote work in America. And Brie, you know, for companies who might be listening and that you know, would like to offer more remote work opportunities, but currently do not, what are some of the actions that they can take to increase remote work opportunities for their workforce? Sure. So with companies uh, that are not currently offering remote work, we think it's, of course, a great idea that they consider it. Um, And we often recommend that they take baby steps. So it's nothing that you have to jump into. You don't have to decide if you're offering remote work that everyone at your company needs to start working remotely. Oftentimes it's better to take a gradual approach so you can actually build your remote work program, uh, work out some of the kinks and the issues that will always come up with anything new that you're doing at a company and really build a solid foundation for that program. So the first thing we often recommend is that companies survey their workers and actually ask them what they prefer. What, you know, in an ideal scenario, how would they build their remote work um, experience? And so, you know, that's basically getting to the heart of the matter, which is should you offer this to all employees? Should this only be offered to some employees? Are there certain jobs that are better for remote work? Uh, Should it be a hybrid situation where you do have them come into the office sometimes and work from home other times? And asking employees what they want, as well as looking at what's best for the company, can really help you find some common ground there and build a strong um, a strong program. Um, and then also really tying remote work to the business goals and the bottom line strategy of the company can help a lot. I think sometimes companies approach it as a perk. Uh, it, for a long time, it was really seen as a perk, as this sort of nice thing to give employees to uh, you know, help them with their lives a little bit. But it wasn't really tied to the overall business strategy. And now, as we were talking about before, so many more companies are tying it to either CSR uh, responsibilities or their just environmental strategy or their actual operations and cost-saving measures and all those sorts of things. And so that's important for companies to look at when they're starting a program as well as just how does this actually tie to what we do every day and how we want to succeed uh, long into the future. Well, and for businesses that are already offering remote work opportunities, what can they do to do a better job of tracking their programs so that if they want to, you know, define their impact or document their impact in their CSR reports or in their uh, annual reports, what are some of the things that they can do to, to track their programs effectively? I'm so glad you asked this question because we have found that very few companies are actually tracking these programs to figure out what is the outcome of a program like this. What benefits are there? Where could they improve the program? Um, And so I think it's about 3% of companies that actually track the return on investment and the impact of their remote work programs. So we really recommend companies... It's essentially going back to that that tying this to their business strategies. What are they hoping to get out of remote work? Is it a productivity increase? Is it a cost reduction? Is it environmental savings and, and reducing their environmental impact? Is it some combination of those? And thinking about those goals, what do they ultimately hope to impact by having people work remotely? And then actually starting to track that stuff. So um, having teams be responsible for tracking productivity. You know, how much more productive are people working from home versus working in an office? Uh, And also looking at the cost savings. I mean, these are things that are fairly easy for companies to do. I think it's just it takes the initiative of someone to actually organize the tracking of these things. And so when Mm you first look at those, you know, what is the goal of us having people work remotely? And then you can pretty easily see how to track those things, but you have to think about it at first. So uh, starting with the goals are really important. 
Yep, setting up your dashboard, <laughs> basically. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, FlexJobs recently highlighted 12 employers in the quote-unquote green job economy who are hiring. And I'd love for us to talk about some of them because I think they deserve recognition. Um, 350.org, uh, Cloud to Street, and Ecobee made the list. Tell us a little bit about each of these companies and the types of remote work that they offer. Yeah, these companies are really interesting. There are some really uh, fascinating organizations and companies doing interesting work around um, environmental issues and also hiring jobs that help support these green initiatives. So uh, 350.org is a nonprofit, and it looks at uh, essentially climate awareness and um, global climate organizing. So they they are trying to get out the message that um, the environment is incredibly important and that uh, there are things that we should know about climate change and all of those sorts of things, and really looking at, at critical global environmental issues. Um, but to support that organization, they are hiring people um, in areas like digital campaigning, so actually being an organizer um, as a, a, in a digital way, not, not going necessarily door-to-door, but actually doing this organizing online. Um, and then things like global development coordinators, so looking at funding, um, fundraising, uh, all sorts of things and communications really just geared towards getting the message out that um, that they have really good information to share with people. And uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, it can be a really great organization to look into. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cloud to Street is also really interesting. So they... Um, Essentially, they're trying to help communities better understand their flood vulnerabilities. I can never say that word. (laughs) Um, But they're looking at communities that have flood risks, essentially, when it rains really hard or there's a huge amount of snowfall, um, you know, which communities are flooding and how is that tracked and how can they better alert people to flood risks before they're actually happening so that they can help people prepare and plan to deal with these risks as they're uh, happening. And so they have some jobs, um, including uh, a senior remote sensing scientist. So they're actually hiring people to work remotely as scientists. Um, and that's uh, what they're doing is developing and supporting algorithms that help them track these flood risks and just kind of keeping the information and then synthesizing the information. Um, and then they have also uh, data analyst positions and flood market analysts, so people who actually look at different communities and the flood risks and make assessments and recommendations about that. That's Cloud to Street. And then the last one you mentioned, Ecobee, uh, this one is related to thermostats in homes. So they're actually helping people uh, by creating more eco-aware, eco-friendly thermostats that really help people to control their environment at home, which is great for remote workers. If you're working from home, you want to make sure that you are still being very responsible when it comes to your own energy usage. And uh, so that's another kind of interesting angle. There, All these companies are coming at remote work and and doing green work in different ways. And so this company is looking for business development and sales managers to work remotely because they have this actual product to sell. That is so cool. And and there were three more that I wanted to recognize. Um, the, you, you mentioned the Global Catholic Climate Movement, um, International Bird Rescue, and Mothers Out Front. They were on the list of employers offering remote work in the green space. Talk to us a little bit about these companies and their remote work opportunities. Sure. So uh, they're also really interesting. It's, again, it's so fascinating to see these different organizations coming at this in such different ways. But the Global Catholic Climate Movement, or GCCM for short, is uh, an organization that brings together, I think it's over 400 Catholic organizations throughout the world who actually uh, want to focus on uh, sustainable climate future. So, you know, information, awareness um, from a Catholic perspective and and sort of led by their Catholic faith to to promote this idea that the environment is incredibly important and sort of sacred and that we need to take care of it. Um, So it's another really interesting angle related to green and remote Mm -hmm. work. And they look for positions like program directors, development directors, uh, finance and operations directors. I mean, these are very sort of, quote-unquote, traditional types of jobs that you might find in a nonprofit organization. They're just jobs that can be done remotely. So it's another Very interesting cool. uh, organization out there. Yeah. And then Mothers Out Front <clears throat> excuse me, is another nonprofit organization that works to um, 
give friendly pressure to businesses and political institutions to actually align themselves with uh, climate change and the impacts of climate change. So they're really encouraging businesses of all varieties and political institutions and organizations related to that to not just give lip service to climate change and awareness, but also to align their goals um, with climate change. So we were talking uh, in an earlier segment about companies that are really starting to align their mission and, and track initiatives related to the environment and, and remote work and kind of combine those things. And Mothers Out Front is one of those organizations that encourages companies to do that very thing. That's really cool. And, you know, I know that we have a lot of listeners who want to learn more about finding a green job. And if they wanted to use FlexJobs to do that, what steps should they take to engage with FlexJobs? And specifically, how would they find green jobs on your site? Sure. So on FlexJobs, you can find uh, all sorts of different jobs at every level. We go from entry level to senior level. So wherever you are in your career, there's probably a flexible or remote job out there uh, at your level. And essentially, it's a job search website. So you can come to FlexJobs. You can look at all the different jobs on our site. We have an environment and green jobs section that actually goes straight to this. And it's any job that is related to the environment or green jobs. Um, But as we've uh, also talked about, there are plenty of companies out there that are more traditional companies that have different initiatives and and, uh, business that they do, but they also are working in environmentally sustainable ways. So they're offering remote work. And so we highlight those companies on our site as well. So you can search for companies that are more traditional companies but are offering a greener way to work or are very environmentally focused. Um, So that's another way that you could search FlexJobs. Um, And then we also, uh, you know, when you're a member of FlexJobs, it is a membership site. That's something people should know. Um, You get access to all of the job listings and uh, the application information, and you also have access to career coaching and uh, resume reviews and things like that and skills testing. So we really try to support job seekers from a number of different angles to make them successful um, and and help them find a flexible job in a faster, easier, and, uh, and better way. Love it. This is so helpful. Thank you so much, Bree. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but we've got more with Bree Reynolds on the other side of this uh, break. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus, creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. 
We've been talking with Bree Reynolds, who is a senior career specialist with a company called Flex Jobs, and we've been talking about the environmental benefits of working remotely, both for individuals and for companies, um, cities as well, less wear and tear on the roads, less energy consumption, uh, lots of different um, environmental benefits. Um, Bree, I'd love for you to talk to us about the Trad Works Forum, because I found that on your website, and I'd love to know more about that. Yeah, so the Trad Works Forum, first I'll explain the name. Uh, Trad stands for Telecommuting, Remote, and Distributed. And so that probably gives you a clue as to what the, it's all about. It's essentially a, an event that brings together uh, companies, organizations, individuals who are interested in remote and telecommuting and distributed work as a real opportunity. So we've been talking a lot about the environmental opportunities and also the cost savings and productivity. And it really brings all of these groups together to... Uh, discuss best practices to discuss actually how to in a way that uh, can help them grow and be sustainable actors and uh, just benefit them and their workers and the society at whole. Um, and so it's an annual event. Um, we held our last one last fall, I believe. And we get uh, companies like Microsoft, um, Sutherland Global, and then uh, outlets like the Washington Post and CNBC, um, and then De- Dell and ADP, all sorts of different organizations, uh, the U.S. Department of State, and lots of different um, organizations to come together and really share best practices for how they are working this way and what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and help everyone grow their remote work programs. That's fantastic. Now, the founder of your company, Flex Jobs, also launched Remote.co and One Million for Work Flexibility. Um, tell us about those sites and what our listeners can expect to find there. Sure. So remote.co is a website that is geared specifically to remote work opportunities. So if you're looking for a remote job or uh, you're looking for information on how to work remotely, it's a really good website for all of that kind of comprehensive information. So it offers remote work uh, listings, actual jobs and companies hiring, um, and they're jobs that can be done either anywhere in the U.S. or anywhere in the world. So they're those true, uh, completely remote types of jobs. There's no hybrid situations there. It's either it's, it's completely in, at home all the time. And it also offers interviews with over 130 companies that work remotely, so you can actually get some really good insights into how these companies operate, how they hire for remote workers, the types of questions they ask, all of that sort of stuff. So it's, it's getting good insider information. Um, and then One Million for Work Flexibility is geared towards, it's kind of the advocacy initiative um, uh, related to flex jobs where it's geared towards helping people understand flexible work in general, how it can benefit companies and individuals and society, and also keeping a lot of updates related to policy initiatives around flexible work. So we talked earlier about the telecommuting tax penalty um, and One Million for Work Flexibility tracks the legislation around that. It also looks at local and state legislation geared towards allowing people to have flexible work and request flexible work. There's lots of so-called right-to-request initiatives um, being passed, which is great. They allow workers to actually request flexible work arrangements and have that legally uh, protected, that they can make that request. Um, and so that's a really good organization just to learn more about flexible work in general and how, it, how it's happening throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. Um, and so, yeah, we're really proud of both of those organizations. They have kind of specific missions, but they're, um, they're doing some good work. That's fantastic. Now, at this point in time, which industries do you see as leaders in the movement that are really leading the way in offering remote work opportunities? Yeah, so um, we see that it's kind of all over the place a little bit, <laughs> which is nice. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, one or two particular ones that... Um, that offer the most, uh, it's really broad. So we talked about, you know, medical and health and computer and IT. Those are really the two big ones where we do see a lot of opportunity, um, but also education and training and sales. And we have seen some interesting growth areas in terms of um, where remote work is growing most quickly. And those would be areas like therapy. We're seeing a lot more online therapy options um, to work remotely as a therapist. Um, also virtual administration for anyone who's interested in Uh, being a virtual assistant or a virtual admin. Um, Client services is another big one. So it's kind of similar to customer service, but a little bit different. And, um, And then state and local government is another one that we've seen a lot of growth in the last year or so. 
So we're sort of eyeing those as, as areas where we might continue to see uh, a decent amount of growth and, um, and such over, you know, the coming years. And, and do you see any industries that, that could provide more remote work opportunities that are lagging? I mean, uh, you know, if there are, are there job opportunities that really lend themselves well to remote work, but they're just not being realized at this point? I think actually um, not really. We see remote work in a, a lot of career fields. So I'm talking about the top ones here, but we actually get these top uh, career fields out of over 55 categories, and we find remote work in all of those categories. So pretty much every career has at least some remote work going on, um, which I think is probably surprising for some people. They think, well, there's no way that my job can be done remotely. And then if they do a little bit of research, they find, oh, okay, well, actually my job might be able to be done remotely, at least occasionally. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, I guess, one of the, the bright spots of remote work is that it is happening in pretty much any career field you can think of already. You know, I'm going to ask you kind of an off-the-wall question, but it's something that came to mind as we were talking. You know, there are a lot of areas of the U.S. that are, are still hurting from the recession. I mean, um, some of the places where I work uh, with my nonprofit, which is an environmental education program, are considered you know, environmental justice areas or, you know, they, there's a real um, social justice impact. You know, there are a lot of uh, folks that are in public housing and, and really still hurting from the recession. Mm-hmm. In communities like those, what do you see as the opportunity that remote work might be able to offer communities such as those? That's such a good question because those types of communities could really benefit from remote work in a similar way to rural communities or communities whose populations have moved elsewhere, you know, people, communities who are seeing huge population diminishes um, over time. And so, yeah, so those areas that you're talking about, it really, it, essentially, it comes down to bringing opportunity to places where there isn't opportunity. Um, and so for those folks, you know, finding work can be really difficult. Um, and as I said, we, we have remote work, we've seen remote work at all different levels, entry level through senior level. So for anybody at any point in their career, they can at least find something that can help them work remotely. And I think one of the areas that we really, uh, this is sort of what One Million for Work Flexibility looks at as well, um, but one of the things that we really would like to see is a a push for higher speed, better broadband access to those types Mm -hmm. of communities because that's really the critical piece that might hold up remote work for for people in those situations is access to high-speed Internet. Um, You know, it's available in so many places that you don't think, well, there are some places that, uh, that don't have it. So that's really important. Well, it's true. And, you know, even in the education field, you know, where more and more coursework is being offered online, that's actually my where my master's degree is at. That's an issue as well, because even traditional schools are beginning to offer, you know, flipped classrooms or, you know, things that require high-speed internet. And so I think, you know, that is something that's really, really vital that, that people just cannot be left behind. It's like, you know, having communities that don't have electricity 24-7. Um, it's just yes. become, you know, something that is a need, not a luxury. Bree, Absolutely. in the final moments that we have left in the show, what are your parting thoughts? What would you like to leave with our listeners? Ooh, parting thoughts. Well, I do think that remote work is available for more people than typically people think of. Um, So if you're wondering if remote work is an option for you, uh, the chances are there is something that you could do uh, to work remotely. There are also so many benefits to working remotely just personally. So we've talked about the environmental benefits, the way it benefits companies. But when you work remotely, you save tons of money from not having to commute, from not having to, uh, uh, you know, maintain a work wardrobe, all Absolutely. those sorts of things. It adds up to, I think it's over $4,000 a year for the average telecommuter. So it's a big thing. Um, That's and, tremendous. You know, remote work- and I just want to thank you so much, Bree, oh, sure. uh, for bringing this to our attention, for being with us on Go Green Radio. And thanks to our listeners for joining us as well. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you
you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.